Hey kids, thanks for joining us again on Green Beans, Mushroom Soup, and Strawberry Ice Cream. I'm Mark Gladstone, and tonight is part two of last week's episode. It's a series I've started called Icons, and the first iconic band I picked to talk about was Led Zeppelin. It soon became obvious that there was just too much to share, both informationally and musically, to squeeze into one show. So, we're on to part two this week. Last week, I covered the first four albums of the band's too short 11-year career. Cut short, of course, because of drummer John Bonham's death. So this week, I'm going to cover the next four albums, from Houses of the Holy through In Through the Outdoor. There were actually nine studio albums, but Coda was released two years after Bonham's death, comprised of some of the tracks that didn't make it onto Led Zeppelin III, and some that didn't make it onto Houses of the Holy and In Through the Outdoor, plus one live track from the Royal Albert Hall, which was edited to remove the live feel of it by muting the crowd noise and removing the beginning and the ending, and then overdubbing a few parts, and, well, the album basically didn't sit right with me, I guess, is the main reason. It was pieced together, and it sounds like it. Apparently, the only reason it was put together was because two years after Bonham's death, bootlegs of the band were still circulating like crazy. So, if you're still getting that much mileage, you might as well make sure you own the car, right? Sure, it makes sense from a business point of view. But musically, it was definitely my least favorite Zeppelin album. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, starting at the end. After the end, actually. We covered the first four albums in part one of this show, and I went into detail about how the band came to be through the Yardbirds, so I won't repeat myself here. The band had just released what a lot of people deem the best rock song ever in Stairway to Heaven. And at that time in the band's career, no one could argue they were one of the biggest rock bands in the world, if not the biggest. Between 1968 and 1971, the band played nine tours in North America. By the mid-70s, the show included lasers, mirror balls, flash pots, and other visual effects to match their onstage power. So that's the rock and roll part, but what about the sex and the drugs? Well, Led Zeppelin didn't invent the concept of groupies, but they definitely helped make it bigger than it had ever been before. Robert Plant, after leaving a new wife and daughter at home, welcomed pretty much all sexual advances, and there were a lot of them. Apparently, the groupies were kind of divided into two camps. The Jimmy Page camp and the Robert Plant camp, with the only difference being that the Jimmy camp was often quite a bit younger. Lori Maddox was only 15 years old when she became his L.A. girlfriend. And that's not to say that John Paul Jones and John Bonham were left out. They weren't. Just being in Led Zeppelin was enough. The drug of choice, cocaine, was pretty much everywhere. A good friend of mine, someone seated pretty deep into the music business, told me that often on stage, while they were playing, John Bonham would have this huge plastic bag full of cocaine down by the bottom of his drum throne, and he'd just reach down, scoop up a handful, and snort it right out of his hand while playing. Hey, it's the only way you can repeatedly deliver a three-hour show and stay up for six days in a row, I guess. And still, 
there was the softer acoustic side to the band. The song you're hearing now in the background is from disc two of the physical graffiti album called Bronior, inspired by the cottage that Page and Plant rented to write much of the third and fourth albums. So we're going to pick up right where we left off musically from part one of this show. Led Zeppelin IV, the album with Stairway to Heaven on it, was released in 1971, catapulting the band to the top of the world and tour after tour after tour, everywhere. To say they took a break from recording would be misleading. It was less than two years before the next album came out, but that was a long time for Zeppelin. The first album to be released with an actual name, Houses of the Holy, was released in 1973, and the supporting tour for that album was the only time I got to see them perform live. I'd seen a few shows by then, but I'd never seen anything like that before. As far as sheer command of the stage and the bigger-than-life presence from the band, I've never seen it since, either. A few things stood out to me. The biggest being Jimmy Page and his control over everything. He was like a conductor, working the stage from one end to the other, but without even motioning with his arms. The others just seemed to know what he wanted and always knew where he was. Oftentimes he was in front of the drums, him and Bonham just feeding off each other, completely locked in. I remember his bow, of course, always a high point in the show, and the double-neck guitar. The drum solo, which even then I thought was way too long. It was amazing, but half an hour is too long even for amazing. Incidentally, according to several histories of the band, that half hour was frequently used by Jimmy Page to go to the back room and have sex with one or more of the groupies backstage. Apparently, he even went back to his hotel room once during the drum solo. I remember the encore and the MC coming out on stage to announce that Robert Plant had collapsed backstage and they wouldn't be able to do another encore. It was around 90 degrees in the Vancouver Coliseum that night. So, Houses of the Holy. It marked a bit of a sound change for the band, a bit of a new direction. Still definitely a rock album, but not as bluesy as the earlier ones, and a little progressive even. You'll hear that on the next few tunes we're going to play. From Houses of the Holy, this is The Song Remains the Same first, and we'll follow that up with The Rain Song and The Crunge. Led Zeppelin on Pacific Northwest Radio.
That has to be one of the strangest tunes Led Zeppelin ever recorded. I love it. That was the crunge. Wicked keyboard part in that tune shows up around the one minute mark. Before that, we played one of their best ballads in The Rain Song. And we started that Houses of the Holy set off with The Song Remains the Same, which became the name of the Led Zeppelin movie released later in 1976. The album cover for Houses of the Holy is interesting, too. Several naked children are pictured climbing the giant's causeway in Northern Ireland. They're seen only from the back, and it's actually, and it's actually only two children, then reproduced 11 times across the cover and the back cover, actually brother and sister. Label executives were completely shocked and fearful they'd be charged with child pornography. And even though they wrapped the album with a paper band to cover the kids' butts, many stores in the southern United States refused to stock the album for years after its release. Keep in mind, though, it was the 70s. We didn't even know the word pedophilia back then. There were naked kids at every beach and swimming pool. Different times, for sure. Rolling Stone magazine called it one of the dullest albums of the year when it was released, and... True to form, in 2003, they gave the album 5 out of 5 stars, placing it at 148 of the top 500 albums of all time. The album reached number 1 on the Billboard Top 200 chart. The Houses of the Holy Tour is also when the band secured its own Boeing 720, an airplane nicknamed the Starship. The inside walls were orange and red. There were circular velvet couches white leather swivel chairs, a mirror-covered bar, a fireplace that didn't work for obvious reasons, and a white fake fur-covered bed in the back bedroom. When the band and its entourage was on board, the party never stopped. Tons of cocaine and girls, girls, girls. Here's an amusing little story from that time period, found in the biography called Stairway to Heaven, written by Richard Cole, who was tour manager at that time. Apparently, the show's concert promoter had presented the band with a gift of four live octopuses earlier. So, quoting, We had invited a couple of girls up to our rooms, and after they had jumped into the tub, Jimmy and I tossed the octopuses into the water. One of the girls, a little brunette who Jimmy couldn't take his eyes off, gasped and then sighed, as one of the octopuses explored her genitals. Oh my God, she squealed. I've got to get one of these. It's like having an eight-armed vibrator. So that was Houses of the Holy, bringing us up to the band's only double album. The album shipped platinum. That means it was guaranteed one million in sales even before its release. The album was called Physical Graffiti, and it was marketing genius. 
The cover alone was worth the price. It was also the album that marked their first release on the band's own record label, Swan Song. Not the first album on the label, though. That honor belongs to the label's first signing, which was Bad Company. Their debut album, called Bad Company, released in 1974, was the first album on Led Zeppelin's Swan Song label. Here's a few from this classic album, starting with Black Country Woman, to show the different sides of the band again, then Houses of the Holy, the song this time, not found on the album of the same name, and we'll close this album off with the Wanton song, Physical Graffiti, released in 1975, Led Zeppelin on Pacific Northwest Radio. Not even yet.
Welcome back to Green Beans, Mushroom Soup, and Strawberry Ice Cream with me, Mark Gladstone, as your host. Tonight's show is featuring the iconic Led Zeppelin in a show called Icons. If you just tuned in, this is part two of this show, and you can find part one in the on-demand section of our website. Just click there and download or stream to your heart's content. We were just rocking to a few songs from Physical Graffiti, the band's double album. You just heard the Wanton song. Before that was Houses of the Holy. And we started the set out with Black Country Woman. Also, remember the song at the beginning of this show, the acoustic guitar song, Bronior, was also from this album. Around this time in the band's career, Jimmy Page, most notably, started using heroin. A lot. He wasn't alone. John Bonham and Richard Cole, the band's manager, both came along for the ride, but Jimmy was pretty much full-time. He'd be late for recording and show up looking like death warmed over, usually. Another thing that severely affected the band at this time was a car accident. Robert Plant's wife, Maureen, was driving, and he and the kids were also in the car. Maureen almost died, ending up with a fractured skull, broken leg, and broken pelvis. Robert Plant shattered his right elbow and ankle. The daughter, Carmen, broke her wrist, and son, Carrick, fractured a leg. So the band's upcoming tour had to be cancelled. So, the next album, Presence. Jimmy Page maintains it's his favourite. It's one of mine, too. But it holds the spot for the lowest sales of all of Led Zeppelin's studio releases. Maybe because of the heroin? Maybe because of the car accident? Maybe because they had to record the entire album in 18 days because the Rolling Stones had booked the studio for the next three weeks. Whatever the reason or reasons, it has one of my favorite Zeppelin tunes on it, and we're going to play that one first. The epic Achilles' Last Stand, clocking in at almost ten and a half minutes long, and we'll follow that with Nobody's Fault But Mine. From Presence, released in 1976, more Led Zeppelin on Pacific Northwest Radio.
You were just listening to some of the album Presence, Led Zeppelin's seventh album. We played Nobody's Fault But Mine just a few seconds ago, and before that, the epic, ten and a half minute long Achilles' Last Stand, with some of what I think is John Bonham's best drumming on record. So after that album, the tour in 1977 was the band's biggest North American tour ever including a crowd over 76,000 at the Pontiac Silverdome outside of Detroit. But there were problems. First, they had to postpone the tour for a month because Robert Plant had laryngitis. Then, in Cincinnati, 70 fans were arrested when 1,000 fans tried to crash the gates before the show. A riot in Tampa after the outdoor show was cut short because of a thunderstorm. Jimmy Page, whose heroin addiction was in full swing, had to perform sitting on a chair in Chicago before the band ultimately had to cut the show after 65 minutes because his playing was so affected. And what would end up being the band's final appearance in the U.S., in Oakland, California, a backstage fight ended up with a member of the concert promoter's staff being badly beaten with some of the band's entourage and John Bonham himself being carted off to jail. The tour ended two days later when Robert Plant learned that his son, Carrick, had died because of a severe stomach virus. In Plant's own words, the 1977 tour ended because I lost my boy. It had also ended before it ended, really. It was just a mess. To make matters even worse, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones didn't attend the funeral, and obviously that affected Robert Plant. There were now two camps in Led Zeppelin. John Paul Jones and Robert Plant, relatively clean, and Jimmy Page and John Bonham, addicted to heroin and Bonham's heavy drinking on the other side. Put all of those things together for their last studio recording in Stockholm in 1978, And things are bound to be a bit different. Jimmy Page was either late or didn't even show up. Or if he was there, it's because he slept on the floor of the studio, baked on heroin and was in no shape to record. So enter a new captain on the boat. John Paul Jones took over the reins for the album, In Through the Outdoor. And regardless of the inner turmoil, the album, released in 1979 was on top of the Billboard chart only a week after its release and inspired sales for all the other Zeppelin albums as well. Two months after the album's release, every one of Led Zeppelin's albums found its way onto the Billboard Top 200 chart once again. That had never happened with any band before. In Through the Outdoors stayed at number one for seven weeks. I think I mentioned before that it's not my favorite Zeppelin album, but... Who am I to say? Some of my musical friends absolutely love this album. One thing nobody knew was that this would be their last. This is Fool in the Rain, followed by I'm Gonna Crawl, two songs on the final album, In Through the Outdoor, by Led Zeppelin. You're listening on Pacific Northwest Radio. Shut sure. 
You're back with icons and part two of Led Zeppelin on green beans, mushroom soup, and strawberry ice cream. I'm Mark Gladstone. You just heard I'm Gonna Crawl, and before that was Fool in the Rain, a single on the album, peaking at number 21. On September 24th, during rehearsals for their next North American tour, John Bonham died in his sleep after reportedly consuming 40 shots of vodka. He choked on his own vomit during the night. Not too glamorous an end for old Bonzo. The tour was immediately cancelled, and on December 4th, 1980, Led Zeppelin issued a short press release stating, We wish it to be known that the loss of our dear friend has led us to decide that we could not continue as we were. And that was that. Eleven short years. Biggest, baddest band on the planet. World domination. And then it was over. Maybe, with that much excess, the drugs, the drinking, the fighting, the inner turmoil, and even deaths, maybe that's the only way it could end. Those albums are still among the best around today. I don't know too many musicians who don't have at least a few of them kicking around. I still listen often. Thanks for joining me on my tribute to Led Zeppelin, the very first of this series called Icons. Both of these episodes will be available as podcasts very soon, if not already. I hope you enjoyed listening and learning about one of the most successful and important bands in rock and roll history. Be good, be safe, be kind to each other, and enjoy that sunshine. Good night, kids. (laughs) 